Welcome to the Leading on Purpose podcast with Jackie, where you will hear stories of passion, purpose, and leadership designed to inspire you to live your best life. So let's get started. Dear God, thank you for everyone that is listening to this podcast and for our guest. I ask that you give everyone favor and help them live their best life. Keep this in mind. You will never influence the world by being just like it. So be yourself, be authentic, because the world needs you. Now let's hear from our guest. Now, it is my pleasure to introduce my guest today, and that is Todd Mosetter. He is going to talk about it's the who, not the what. And I can't wait to jump into this discussion. I think I know what he's going to talk about, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what he, how he defines this and what he's going to talk about. So Todd, how are you? Jackie, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I love you as a person, and I'm really excited to just spend some time with you today. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Todd. Love you too. I'm so glad to have you on. It's been a pleasure working with you the last couple of years. You know, I typically ask my guests a question around the pandemic, and I'm going to continue on that trend. And so my question for you is what new activity or TV show have you picked up over the last year and a half since the pandemic? Oh, that's a great question, Jackie. I think a lot of people have done a lot of new activities and TV has been a good source for folks. Uh, in my family, I don't watch a lot of shows myself. They tend to be uh, very kid-focused. Cooking shows is the du jour one. So whether it be the uh, Great British Bake Off or uh, something, uh, Master Chef, we watch a lot of cooking shows. Um, for me, I think Ted Lasso, like most folks, has probably been the one that my wife and I picked up. Um, her and I's tastes are not always in sync, but that was a show that we both seem to enjoy. So that's always nice. So, okay. So I am a newfound lover of Ted Lasso. I literally just watched the entire two series over the last week. Uh, mm. I could not stop watching it. What do you like about Ted Lasso? And I'll tell you what I like about it. It is a wonderful show. Yeah. You know, I think there, there are two things that I really like about it, Jackie. I think, you know, the first is I'm a fan of character development. So I like shows where characters are given a chance to change and grow. Uh, you know, growing up in the 80s, that sitcom where, you know, the family was there, something happened, but in the end, everything stayed the same, right? It, a new thing happened next week. Nobody actually changed. And I love the character development in Ted Lasso, be it the way that Ted became more of a full person, uh, the way that Roy went from being, you know, not to ruin it for folks, but his role changed in the show. Uh, Keely, you saw her grow and develop and step into her leadership. So I really love the way the characters were given a chance to flourish. Um, I love that about good writing and TV shows. And then I loved that at its heart, I think it ties into what we're going to talk about today, that they really strive to see people for who they are and believe in people and see their best. And I think it's a message we've probably always needed. Um, but at this particular time that we find ourselves in history and culture, um, the ability to see people for who they truly are and just believe in them and love them. I just generally love that message. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I Very similar sentiments to the reason for loving the show. But one for me, it, it was a very, it's a very feel good show. When you finish watching it, you just feel good because of the type of behaviors that um, particularly Ted Lasso exhibits. And then just how funny Coach Beard is. I mean, just not a man of a lot of words, but when he does say something, it could be either funny or profound or, or both, a little bit of both. 
Um, and just, just, yeah, just the, how someone who does not have necessarily the skills to coach soccer, but has strong leadership, what mm-hmm. can come from that? So, because I'm a, um, I'm a, I love helping people develop as a leader. So I just really love the leadership lessons that I see him exhibiting and the love and the caring and Oh yeah, it's just so many good things about the the show. I absolutely love it. <laughs> so so Todd, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, starting off personally and then professionally. Yeah, thanks, Jackie. I've uh, I uh, I hi, I'm Todd. Uh, I have been privileged to be married to my bride uh, Gretchen for coming up on 20 years. Uh, I promised her a uh, a nice vacation to Europe when we got married, but we weren't able to for a lot of reasons. So that's on our bucket list for next year. Uh, Again, hopefully celebrate our 20th wedding anniversary in Europe if we can. Uh, Very privileged to have five children. Uh, I have a son who is 16. uh, And then I have four beautiful daughters uh, aged 14, 12, 10, and 8. I have a dog that we rescued who is fantastic. And I reluctantly have a cat. Uh, The rest of the family loves the cat, but I'm just not a cat person. Uh, (laughs) In my free time, I love to read. Um, I try and get through about a book a month if I can. I find that I'm better when I'm really taking in new ideas and challenging my thinking. Uh, And in my free time, I love playing pickleball. Uh, It's my new obsession. I play it a lot. But if there were three fast things you'd want to know about me personally, I think it's my faith is super important to me. It uh, just personally kind of shapes who I am and how I lead my life. It's my family. They're one of the number one things I care about, and I'm a better person because of them uh, and fitness. I just love doing stuff and being active. Okay. Uh, professionally, uh, I work at Building Champions. I am a vice president and executive coach there. So I get to have a hand in helping to lead a business, lead the business, as well as work one-on-one with clients, which I absolutely love. Uh, my degree is in journalism. I've always been fascinated uh, with words and writing and communication. Uh, which I think has helped me shape my career. And uh, yeah, that's about, that's what's the highlights probably. I do enjoy reading as well. Not quite as uh, probably consistent as you are. So this is, this will be good motivation for me, Todd. (laughs) Well, you know, Jackie, it goes back to what I found that for me to be at my best um, reading and taking other ideas in is so key. Um, I find that the more I think I know, the less I know. And if I don't stay curious, what I found is I get really busy and I stop reading. And then three or four months later, I'm in meetings, I'm working with clients, and I wonder why I'm less creative, Mm. why I have less ideas, why I have less inspiration. And I'm like, it's because I stopped putting good inputs in. Okay. So I keep forgetting and keep getting reminded because I'm not that smart um, that I am better when I'm being curious and learning things especially I try in every third book, Jackie, I try and read a book that I would never read something that goes against a viewpoint I have uh, from the type of author that I wouldn't normally resonate with about a topic that I don't actually find super interesting just to push myself out of my comfort zone and try and read different things. Oh, that's a great idea. And I, I would imagine that's probably not the most common way that people pick a book, but I love that because it gives you different perspectives um, and different ideas that maybe you wouldn't have normally thought about yourself, like you said, because you're reading things that you like and, and that you're comfortable with. So I really like that idea. We won't go into particulars because it can be a touchy subject, but I, I just, I'm, I'm about to hop into it. It is a book that is about as far on the ideological political spectrum as I probably am. And I'm actually really excited to, to read it because I just want to, I want to, I want to understand. I want to be curious. I want to learn, uh, but I've put off reading it for a long time, but I, <laughs> I can't any longer. So I'm, I'm hopping in, I'm reading it. 
Okay. Well, you know, it brings this brings me really to the next um, my next question. You talked about staying curious and and learning and challenging yourself. So, what are some of the biggest life lessons that you have learned that you think have shaped who you are today, Todd? That's such a great deep question, Jackie. You know, I I want to I want to honor the order of questions you have. So, I'm going to say something and then move on. The the what we're going to talk about today, the who and the what. That's actually probably the biggest life lesson I've learned, okay. um, and it's the one I share the most often. So we'll we'll hold that one because I think that's there. I think you know the other. I think the big one, Jackie, that comes to mind it is the curiosity. I think that the ability to challenge your own thinking and your prejudices and your biases and just really be curious is so undervalued today, and it's something I've struggled with so long in my life and my career. Um, I, I think I was rewarded early on for being pretty smart and always thinking that that my value came from the answers that I have. Um, and then I realized that that's a wrong, that's, that's not as good of a way as thinking of it, that I think great leadership and life comes from being open with what you don't know and staying curious. Mm-hmm. And the moment you think you know something and you hold your ground, I think you lose the ability to truly lead effectively or have an impact. And I wish I'd known that kind of earlier in my life and my career, and I, and I didn't. You know, that that leads me to something that I heard um, one of my favorite authors, um, Brene Brown, talk about in either um, in one of her books, but also on her podcast, is that the best leaders are not the leaders that know the most. It's the leaders that ask the best questions. So Mm -hmm. it's not necessarily about knowing everything, but it's about asking really great questions. And like you said, staying curious. Oh. Yeah, one of the favorite quotes for, um, from Najib Mufas is, "You can tell a man is clever by his an- by his by his answers. You can tell a man is wise by his questions." Yeah, I love that. It, and I do think that's that's underrated. You know, I do think that people want to have all the answers. They don't feel comfortable asking too many questions because they may feel like, well don't you know that? Or why don't you already know that? And I think it sometimes puts, it'll put people in a vulnerable place and people don't like to feel that way, but it's really not. It's really showing that you want to learn, you want to have a deeper understanding. And I think that's an awesome thing. Yeah. So, you know, the title of this podcast, it's, it's the who, not the what. So what does that statement mean to you, Todd? Yeah, Jackie, I think, um, you know, for me, one of the areas that I personally struggle with the most, uh, it's a shortcoming and I've worked really hard to overcome it and I've made progress. And I think a lot of other humans are in the same boat that I am. I think they suffer from this is that in, in our day-to-day goings-ons, we can tend to want to focus more on what people do, their actions, their behaviors, uh, the value we get from them, the way they make us feel. And we fail to see who they truly are. And that to me is so key. So for me, the journey really started when I, when I was a child, um, I, there was definitely some issues with family dynamics, divorces, all that kind of stuff. And growing up, the only two things I kept hearing over and over, Jackie, was that Todd is really smart and Todd is really funny. So what happened is I started to build my identity on the value that I brought, the things that I did, and not on me as a person who I was created to be and the impact that I can have. So I started to put my value, my worth in my performance and the things that I did and not be comfortable and resting in my identity and and who I am and the value that I bring. 
And because I began to see myself that way, I began to see other people that way. So the filter that I would put on most of my relationships and my interactions, there was some type of outward performance component. Again, what they were doing, how they were making me feel, if I'm being honest about how horrible of a person I am at times, uh, how important I thought they were, how, I mean, depending on the dynamic of the situation, it changed a lot. And I was failing to really see them for who they were as people, the unique creations that they were made and, and how special they are. And I limited my ability to truly love other people the way I think I'm called to love them because I kept getting tripped up with seeing what they did and missed who they were. So, so that is, that's, that's really powerful. What you're saying, Todd, Uh, when you said you looked at people based on their performance or even yourself, looking at yourself based on their performance versus say who they are. So give the listeners an, an example of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, so for me personally, Jackie, what it created, I think was an almost toxic desire to always be the smartest person in the room. So, you know, if I thought my value came more from what I did, the, like we talked about the answers I had, not the questions I asked, I would go out of my way to make sure everyone else knew how smart I was. And it may have started from a good spot because again, when I was a kid, that's how I got rewarded. Right. So I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a lot of people speaking into me, Todd, you're loved. Todd, you're valued. Todd, you're special. Todd, you're, you know, you, you, you have a unique purpose. You've been created for something. Who you are matters. I got reinforced with, well, Todd, he's smart. Todd, he's funny. So again, what I did is I created this false identity almost around myself that I needed to crack a joke, even if it was possibly inappropriate or the wrong time, because it would make someone laugh. And most humor, if done properly is, I think, good natured, but a lot of humor often comes at someone's expense. And we often don't want to admit that, but, but it does. So I would, make, I would make jokes or make light of something in an effort to be liked and accepted. And what I was actually doing was hurting other people. And that's just not, I'm not proud of myself for that, but I do think you need to own some of your lower points because they, they help you strive to higher points. Um, I would go out of my way, Jackie, to make sure that everyone knew it was my idea. Like first to speak in a meeting, because I want to make sure that you, <laughs> I want you to know it's Todd's idea. Like, woo, let's make this a point. It's Todd's idea. Um, and so it kept me from being curious how then that would show up for others, Jackie. And I think, I think the low point probably of my career was I, I came from an environment that really reinforced and recognized that. And I need to take ownership. I'm not, I'm not blaming the cultures I was part of because I, I played a part in that. It was me. But I, I came from agency world. And for a lot of agencies, they don't really operate like teams. Uh, if you think about it, you're brought in to work with a client on a project, and there's a limited number of promotions. And based on your performance, you get the promotion. So you're actually competing with a lot of your teammates. So you're part of a team, but you're also trying to make sure that they see the value that you bring so that you can get you can get a promotion. Um, and I was kind of known as a turnaround guy. So my job was to take the broken accounts that, that weren't really doing well and then come in and turn them around. And I did that by really focusing on results, but often at the expense of relationships. So I would, again, look at people and their performance nature. I, I found myself in a culture that was a healthy culture, which was new to me because I came from a lot of unhealthy cultures that really valued, valued results and relationships, both. 
And as we know, great leadership balances both. I found myself in a moment where I begin to lack trust in some of my teammates. I began to wonder whether they were for us as a company or more for their own personal gain. I began to question their competency. I didn't know if they were actually good at their jobs or not. But rather than pausing and being curious and pressing in to get to know them, what am I not seeing? Help me understand. What's your perspective? Like rather seeing them as people, I was judging them based on my interpretation and my idea of the situation. And it, it, in a moment of stress, I crossed a line that nobody should cross and lost it, my temper. And I, I broke relationships. I broke trust. I almost got fired for it because I was prioritizing the performance and thinking that that was more important and wasn't being empathetic, wasn't being curious, frankly, wasn't being kind or loving because to me in the moment, none of that mattered as much as we have a job to do and we're either doing our job or we're not. What we produce is what matters and it's not what matters. But I got my stinking thinking all twisted up and wrong, and it was a horrible moment for me. So I think, I think when we do that, we really lose sight of who people are, and we begin to judge them. We begin to make uh, assumptions about why they're doing what they're doing. And it's just, it's unfair at a human level. So you, so thank you. That's a great example. Couple, several great examples, Todd. So a couple of things just to build on that a little bit more. You sort of touched on it already about, you know, some of the positive outcomes of focusing on the who. I do want you to build on that a little bit more. But before you do that, you said something that I want to make sure the listeners really understand that you talked about that it it's not just about the performance. And you're not saying performance doesn't matter. You're not saying that. So can you clarify for the listeners really what you mean by that? Because what I don't want them to take away is thinking that performance doesn't matter because it, it absolutely does. But just just kind of clear, can you mind, do you mind clarifying that a little bit? I do. You know, uh, two quick kind of tangents to run on, Jackie, is personal and professional. Um, on the personal side, real quick, I, I think performance should matter a lot less than identity, right? So, so a quick example is I'm, I'm again privileged to be a dad of five. Um, I can lose sight in the moment and get frustrated because my daughter's not listening. They're not doing their homework. They're not doing their chores. That's that's what that's their performance, and I can never let that trump who they are. They're my daughter. They're my family. Think about how many fights we get into with our spouses. And at the heart, we get into the fight because of what the spouse did. And we allow an issue that should probably be about a millimeter big. And because of our emotion and our frustration, our missed expectations, instead of being a millimeter, we make it a mile. I know I just switched metric systems there. I apologize for my analogy. Um, but if I remember who they are, I can keep it a millimeter. I can keep it in perspective. So I do think this identity of who someone is should actually, especially on a personal level, always be larger than what they do. Now, to your point, it's not that what they do doesn't matter, but focusing on who they are helps me keep the what in the right perspective. Because most of us get upset about the what in the moment. It feels like the biggest deal in the whole wide world. How dare thee? How could she? Why does he always? We make the issue so big. And if we remember who the person is, we can keep the issue in the right perspective. So that's what I mean on a, on a personal side. On a professional side, to answer your question, I think one of the greatest challenges, problems that I see leaders and cultures 
struggle with is they think that results and relationships are a zero sum game. And what I mean by that is I have to make a choice. Do I prioritize results or do I prioritize relationships? And if I invest more in one, it means I have to invest less in the other. And I think that's a flawed way of thinking of it because science and experience, I think, tell us that great leaders and great cultures chase both because they realize that when I have strong relationships, my, I actually get better results. And people want to be part of winning teams. I think very few people show up every day for work saying, man, I hope we're average today. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if we all phoned it in today? Like we want to be part of winning culture. So when you can deliver results, it fuels relationships. There's a great study that I often will cite. It's thousands of leaders. And what they looked at is leaders on how good they were at prioritizing results and developing relationships and how that correlated with leadership effectiveness. And if you were in the top quartile, the top 25%, of people that could deliver results on overall leadership effectiveness, you are in the 51 percentile. If you were able to develop relationships really well, you were in the top quartile there. In the overall leadership effectiveness, you were at a 58 better. If you were in the top quartile for both, you were really good at developing relationships and you were really good at delivering results, 94th percentile in leadership effectiveness. You can't have one without the other. So if you're the leader that thinks my job is to deliver results, you're half right. If you're the leader that thinks my job is to create a great culture, again, you're half right. We have to do both. Excellent. So yes, performance matters, but on a work, if people don't feel like they belong, if they don't feel like they can be their true self, if they don't feel like you are for them, that you care about them, that you're invested in them, they will not bring their best and you will not deliver your best results. I love that. Bravo, bravo, Todd. Yeah, great, great examples, um, great clarity. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, that really ties into the question I just asked you, which is, you know, what are some of the positive outcomes of focusing on the who? Is there anything else that you want to add? I mean, I think that was what you just shared was, was excellent. Yeah. So, you know, Jackie, I just got off the phone with a client, actually. And one of the things that we were working on is I'm a, so this is going to sound super cheesy. I know that. Uh, so I'm, for anyone out there who says that this is, sounds cheesy, know that I put that disclaimer on there. I already pre I preemptively <laughs> told you. Um, I think the idea of setting intention and positive reinforcement is huge. Like, so, you know, it's rewiring our brains to put really positive thoughts in to, to best position us to do what we want to do. And for this particular client, one of the challenges that they were struggling with is in the moment, they would get frustrated and get upset. And again, show of hands, has anyone ever in the moment got frustrated and, and been upset about something? But the challenge was what we talked about was the mantra that but we encourage this client to adopt is see the people, not the problem. See the person, not the problem. So when someone comes to you with a problem and a challenge, we often want to go in fix it mode. And what we do is we see the problem. Either the problem the person is bringing, or if we're being honest in the moment, the problem the person is being. <laughs> They're not doing something right. They're not, you know, we're causing some frustration. We're not getting along. And as a leader, if you can stop back and say, no, let me not focus on the problem to solve. Who's the person to serve? Who actually is this person? So if you and I were working together and you brought a problem, Jackie, it'd be easy for me to look at the problem, but I can focus on, wait, no, who's Jackie? Like this is a person, a teammate 
that I have the opportunity to serve, to coach, to develop, to, to support. And I think focusing on who the person is gives us this, in, this enhanced sense of empathy and connection that allows us to be at our best. One of the greatest brain deficiencies that we all have as human is, is the fatal attribution error. And the fancy way of breaking the fatal attribution error down is that when we look at other people, we often tend to tie their actions to their character. But when we look at ourselves, we tie our actions to our circumstances. So a great example is if you're ever driving down the road and someone cuts you off and you're a little stressed, the first thought that goes through your mind is usually not positive. Why did that person cut me off? They think they're in such a hurry. Why are they more important? Whatever. But if we're being honest, we've all cut someone off before. And when we have, what's the first thought that pops into our mind? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't see you. I'm in a hurry. It was an accident. So someone else does it. We blame it on their character. What a jerk. We do it. We blame it on our circumstance. I was in a hurry. It was an accident. So when you focus on the problem, so if Jill is always late to the meeting, it's easy to think, man, Jill is not good at managing her time. Why does Jill not able to get here and honor the rest of our time? When you're late for a meeting, it's often, I had an important conversation to follow up on. I was doing something. So when you focus on who the person is and grant them the same grace that you grant yourself, it's so much easier to focus on the who the person is and not get so distracted by what they're doing. So, so Todd, one question on that. Um, and I, I could say I'm definitely guilty of it. So <laughs> I'm starting to feel a little guilty here, Donna. <laughs> uh, Jackie, real quick. Uh, I share this because I've done it <laughs> 10 times worse than anybody listening. <laughs> so what do you feel are some of the challenges that people face when trying to focus on the who, either whether it's for themselves or for the people that they interact with, they lead or colleagues or their own leader? What do you think gets in the way and how can they overcome the challenges? Yeah. So let's, let's focus on the who, the, the person first, right? So if, if you're struggling with yourself, your identity, and you're thinking more about what you do, your performance, and you're not focusing on your who, I think the first place to start is to recognize the narratives in your head. So uh, all of us, I think, have little voices, little stories in our head that, that bring up all of our past mistakes all of our past failures, all of our past doubts and fears, and we tend to, to magnify them and repeat them over and over in our head. Uh, you talk about reading books. I just finished uh, John Acuff's book, Soundtracks. Uh, great read. Um, he takes that concept of narratives, those stories we tell ourselves, and he calls them soundtracks because they're actually more like songs. And if you think about it, songs get stuck in your head. They're catchy. So what happens is we get these little songs, these little narratives about who we think we are caught in our head. Todd brings value when he's smart. Uh, you know, Todd, Todd needs to be funny. People like Todd when he's funny. And what I need to do is I need to recognize those broken soundtracks and I need to replace them with more positive ones, right? So if I'm constantly telling myself my value comes from being smart, I need to reframe that and say, no, no, no. My value comes from the way I care. My value comes from the way I lead. If the old soundtrack was, well, Todd, you have to have the answer. The new soundtrack, to your point, Jackie, great suggestion that you made is, no, my value comes by my questions. So instead of being known for my answers, I'm going to be known for my questions. Instead of being known for how funny I am, I want to be known for how caring I am. So I think we need to recognize where we have some broken things going on in our heads 
and replace them with good ones. What are those voices, the songs that are playing in our heads about ourselves and then just replace that with something more positive if, if it's not it's not what you want it to be, if it's not doesn't align to your purpose or who you want to be. I really like that. So yeah, Todd, if, we're gonna oh go ahead. I was gonna say if that if that resonates with you or anyone else, Jackie, I always want to be open. That's John A. Cuff. His book is Soundtracks. So okay. if that message resonates with you, I'd highly recommend picking that one up. I don't want anyone to think I tried to to steal that one. That's his. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. So we're going to shift gears for a moment and then we're going to finish up with a few more questions. So we're going to, I'm going to ask you a few fun questions. Okay. And I just want you to answer with the first thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay. So what dessert could you never give up? Berry cobbler. Oh, okay. So what kind of berry? Uh, you know, it can be a lot of things, Jackie. I'm pretty open on it. Marion berry, blackberry, you know, some type of like that type of huckleberry, oh, okay. uh, that type of fruity berry cobbler. That's, that's my go-to dessert. If that's on a menu, I don't care how full I am. I usually have to, to have to order it. With ice cream or, or whipped cream or... It can go either way. That's that's icing on the cake, literally, I guess, ice cream on the cobbler. Um, it's a nice touch to balance it out, but it can't make up for a bad cobbler. The okay. foundation's got to be strong. <laughs> the cobbler, okay. So when you were single, what was your best pickup line? Great question, Jackie. Uh, I was single for because I didn't have one. <laughs> Is that, I mean, like as a legitimate answer, the reason I was single was I didn't have a good one. <laughs> okay. If I had a good one, I, I wouldn't have been a single. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's, I love it. And my last one, what is your favorite song to sing when no one is listening? I don't know that I have a go-to song that I always sing. I find that like soundtracks, they get stuck in my head. The one that's in my head current, like I don't know, I have a, I don't have a go-to one that I go back to all the time. The current one that's stuck in my head is my family loves Hamilton and they play the soundtrack all the time. And the King George, you'll be back once again. Okay. Uh, that one, it, they keep singing it. And I find myself, it, it keeps popping up when I least expect it. So King George from Hamilton, you'll be back is the current song stuck in my head. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Alrighty, Todd, well, we're, we're going to finish up with just a couple of um, more questions. And so my next question is, can you give the listeners like one or two things that you do to personally stay focused on the who? Yeah, Jackie, it's great. You know, again, I, I personally use that mantra of see the person not the problem. I think that's huge. Um, assume positive intent. Anytime somebody brings something to you, assume that they tried their best. They're not doing it to mess up. They're not doing it to annoy you. They're not doing it to frustrate you. That same, like I said, that same grace that we're so quick to show ourselves, try and show it to as many people as you possibly can. Assume that everybody is carrying a weight and you just don't see it. So lean in with empathy and ask, how can you help carry the weight with them, not judge them for the weight that they're carrying? Yeah. And I think if we as people can do that, so much goodness happens. And then last but not least, you know, Daniel Harkavy, who is a, a friend and our CEO, loves the analogy of how do you flip the light switches up on people, right? His analogy is that everyone has little light switches on our hearts and how can we help just flip them up on people? So I, I go through my day trying to find ways, how can I love and serve other people so that when they're done, 
they're a little bit brighter. Oh, that's and I think if you can just see people and think that that my job is to serve them, to love them, to care for them, it, all of the other stuff that gets in our way, the expectations, the pride, all of it kind of melts away if you can just try and love the person in front of you. I love that. That, that puts a really big smile on my face, Todd. I really like that. Well, Todd, you really inspired me. I'm sure that you inspired my podcast guest. I love what you said about caring for people, creating an environment where people feel like they belong and they're cared for. And the fact that definitely focusing on relationships and results gets the best results overall. So Todd, thank you so much for sharing your experience, sharing your thoughts, sharing your perspective with myself and the listeners. It's definitely been very, very inspirational and I really appreciate it, Todd. So thank you so much. Jackie, thank you. You've got like a thousand things going on. And the fact that you take time out to create something that adds value to people, thank you for doing that. And thank you for allowing me to be a small part of it. It's been my pleasure. Okay, my pleasure, Todd. Thank you. Thanks, Jackie.